0: My friends, I can keep silent no longer. For one thing, my show is beginning, and if I keep silent, there'll be nothing to listen to, and will just be sitting there, staring at your computer, watching me sit here, staring out of your computer, which, let's face it, makes both of us look like complete idiots. But more importantly, I can keep silent no longer because it's time to speak out about the disastrous presidency of Donald Trump. No less a person than New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman has declared Trump's presidency, quote, a moral 9-11, unquote. And 9-11 was very bad because Islamists flew jets into buildings, killing thousands of people. And Donald Trump's presidency is the moral version of that because he flies jets into buildings in Thomas Friedman's imagination, setting off a fire in Friedman's brain that has now spread to his hair. It's a crisis for our country. Even worse, Donald Trump is a Republican, and Noam Chomsky says the Republican Party has, quote, become the most dangerous organization in world history, unquote. Have you any idea how dangerous that makes Republicans? Why, that makes the Republican Party worse even than the Nazi Party. And I don't mind saying that some of those Nazis were terrible people. Also the Communist Party, they slaughtered and enslaved millions, but even they weren't as bad as the Republican Party, who go running around with their Make America Great hats and campaign buttons all over the place. It's disgusting. Wikipedia describes Noam Chomsky as a widely known intellectual who supports what he calls communist anarchy. So when he says the Republican Party is dangerous, you can bet your boots he's right, although you'll probably have to get a new pair of boots. Also, think of the horrible appointments Trump has made. His chief strategist, Steve Bannon, has been accused of anti-Semitism even while he's worked closely with Jews and supported Israel. And his attorney general pick, Jeff Sessions, has been accused of racism even though he helped desegregate Alabama schools and bring down the state's Ku Klux Klan. So it's obvious that Trump is appointing complete incompetence. When you're an anti-Semite, you're supposed to hate Jews, not help them. And when you're a racist, you don't go around attacking the Klan. Don't these people know anything? If this is the level of competence we can expect from a Trump administration, then I think it's pretty clear we're in big trouble. I believe it's time all of us join the protesters disrupting businesses and chanting obscene slogans and committing senseless acts of violence to show our moral superiority to Donald Trump. The suffering Trump's policies have caused is beyond imagining. Okay, it's not beyond imagining, since he hasn't actually done anything yet, so we actually have to imagine the suffering his policies have caused, because it doesn't actually exist. But when I imagine it, believe you me, it's very terrible. And that's why I had to speak out. Also, I'm auditioning for a job on CNN. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky-gunky-dee. Ship-shaped dipsy-topsy, the world is a zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray All right, we're back, and the survivors of this Clavenless weekend come straggling in in their uh blood-soaked... Clothes charred by gunpowder. We have a uh, lot to talk about. We're going to talk about, you know, the the last time uh, Hamilton faced off against the vice president, and didn't go very well. We're going <laughs> to find out what happens this time. And um, what else? We've been declared, a, uh, the Daily Wire has been declared a fake news site. So we are getting our cultural correspondent, Michael Knowles, to go out there and cover. The fake news. we're gonna find some fake news, and we're gonna chopper him in from his location here. Also, I, I just want to mention one I you know, just want to keep saying the great good thing, my memoir, the great good thing is for another few days, it is on sale as an ebook for two ninety nine. The great good thing a secular Jew comes to faith in Christ. You should go on Amazon and look at the reviews. I'm not writing those reviews, people those are actual readers sending in those reviews. Take a look at them and then see if it's worth dropping three bucks. Come on. All right. My favorite news story of the weekend. An Indiana lawmaker has apologized after sharing a tweet about slavery. Representative Representative Kurt Nisley retweeted a tweet from author Andrew Clavin that said, Democrats haven't been this angry since we freed their slaves. The tweet shared on November 16th showed a photo of what appeared to be people protesting President-elect Donald Trump. On Friday afternoon, Nisley issued an apology on his Twitter account. I apologize for recently sharing an inappropriate tweet, and I have since deleted it. It was a mistake, and I didn't mean to offend anyone. Sources tell Call 6 investigates that Nisley's office received calls from angry citizens about the retweet. So I'm, I'm proud to say that somebody is now apologizing for me who's not my wife, which I, <laughs> I think is a big advance for me. And I, I just, what is he apologizing about? It's totally true. It's not. It's funny and it's true. You know, we, we the Republicans, freed the Democrats slaves. That's exactly. See, the Democrats have this, they have this routine that, OK, yes, the Democrats were the slaveholders and supported slavery. And OK, yes, after the war, the Democrats formed the Ku Klux Klan. And OK, yes, it was all the Jim Crow laws. That was us. And all the segregationists that they, that they went down that, you know, we had to send the army basically down to the South to get rid of. They were all Democrats, the Wallaces and all those people. They were all Democrats. But then, magically, it all changed. (laughs) Suddenly, it was different. It was different. Now, they're the nice people and we're the bad people. I mean, when you look at every place that is a a nightmare for African-Americans, black people who are Americans— they're all run by Democrats, every single one of them. When you look at the effect of Democrat welfare policies on black families, they gutted the black family. They destroyed it. I mean, more black kids are born out of wedlock now than during slavery days when Democrats were actually selling their parents downstream, downriver, and breaking up their families. Their welfare policies have caused that to get actually worse. So when I say these to the tweets, I, I would like to Republicans not to apologize for retweeting them. I'd <laughs> like them to just point out the fact, please, because that would be a lot more interesting. So Saturday Night Live uh, did something funny, which is news, right? That's actually now news, when it does something funny. They put out this uh, a fake commercial to what, what liberals can do now that the election is over. So let's watch a couple of minutes of this, because it really is good. The unthinkable has finally happened. Our nation torn broken you could move to canada but you love your country what can a person like you do what if there was a place where the
1: unthinkable didn't happen and life could continue for progressive americans just as
2: before now there is welcome to the bubble coming in january 2017 the bubble is a planned community of like-minded free thinkers and no one else
1: So if you're an open-minded person, come here and close yourself in.
2: In here, it's like the election never happened.
1: While who knows what the hell is happening outside in their America, the bubble will be a fully-functioning city-state.
2: With things everybody loves, like hybrid cars, used bookstores, and small farms with the rawest milk you've ever tasted.
1: (laughs) That's my life. Even though you're in the bubble, you'll still stay fully connected to the world outside.
2: We've streamlined our high-speed internet with only the good sites, like HuffPo, Daily Coast, Netflix documentaries about sushi rice, and the explosive comedy of McSweeney's.
1: <laughs> Clever. Need
2: entertainment? <laughs> the bubble has so much to do.
1: Go to a bar and engage with a wide array of diverse viewpoints.
2: Percent. Yes. 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 Exactly. Totally. Right.
1: The bubble is a diverse community and safe space for everyone. We don't see color here but we celebrate it.
2: And unlike the rest of America, anybody is welcome to join us. One-bedroom apartments start at $1.9 million. Planning is underway to give you everything you need. Except police
1: or firemen. Because we haven't found any who'd agree to live here.
0: So you have to see if you're not watching this because you're too cheap to subscribe, uh, if you're not watching this, when he says we don't recognize color, but we celebrate it, the girl who's talking is black and she just gives a look to the camera like, what? (laughs) that, That is really funny. So if you don't think that the bubble is going on, is still going on. You're not reading the New York Times. Because here's, here's the latest thing. According to a Politico morning consult poll of registered voters, Trump's favorability has climbed nine points since the same poll was taken right before the election, from 37% to 46%, while his unfavorability rating dropped by double digits from 61% to 46%, a 15-point difference. Trump is also getting high marks for his transition effort. 19% of those polled believe it is more organized than past efforts, and another 34% believe the transition is about the same, according to the poll. Trump's favorability among voters has reached new highs since he became president-elect, And Morning Consult co-founder Kyle Drop. This honeymoon phase is common for new presidents. So he's having a honeymoon, but also, of course, I mean, I'm finding this with Trump. I was a very reluctant Trump voter. I mean, I voted for him because I thought he was the better of the two candidates, but with real misgivings about him, which I'm putting, which I've put aside to give him a blank slate so he can do what he does. But... Watching the reporting is making me love the guy. Yes, I mean, the report. You know, you talked about the, the poll saying that his transition effort is well organized and disciplined. Remember, the New York Times said it was in chaos, it was in disarray, and all this stuff, and it was just complete chaos. Well, that didn't work. So now they have a new uh, uh, theme on the front page at the New York Times, a former newspaper. It's The headline is Trump Turns State Process into Spectacle. President-elect Donald J. Trump has turned the vital but normally inscrutable process of forming a government into a Trump-branded, made-for-television spectacle, parading his finalists for top administration positions this weekend before reporters and the world. And then next to this is the story "White Nationalism <laughs> Explained." This is front page of the White Nationalism Explained. And guess who, who illustrates the story? There's a picture of Steve Bannon. Uh, I swear, there's a picture of Steve It says, self-proclaimed reading from the New York Times. Self-proclaimed white nationalists have happily embraced Mr. Trump's victory and particularly his choice of Stephen K. Bannon as chief strategist as a win for their agenda. A barrage of groups that fight discrimination and hate speech have, in turn, criticized Mr. Bannon's appointment, warning that his embrace of the alt-right movement has little more than an attempt to rebrand racism and white nationalism into something palatable enough for mass consumption. Now, this is a trick of the left. I always have to watch for this when they say this, he has been repeatedly attacked for racism, like by us, by, you know, we, we have lied about him repeatedly and now that has become part of his, so, oh, oh, and uh, that's that's on the front page, on the, on Knucklehead Row, the op, what I call their op-ed page, Charles Blow, the aptly named Charles Blow because everything he does blows, Charles Blow is the columnist, has a column called Making America White Again. Listen to this, I mean, you know, you compare this to the Wall Street Journal, which has a right-wing op-ed page, no question about it, it leans to the right, there's nothing like this kind of panic on the Wall Street Journal op-ed page, nothing. This is Charles Blow. This well may well be the beginning of the end. The early moments of a historical pivot point When the slide of the Republic into something untoward and unrecognizable still feels like a small collection of poor judgments and reversible decisions rather than the forward edge of an enormous menace inching its way forward, sounds like the blob, inching its way forward and grinding up that which we held dear and foolishly thought as lovers do. Would ever endure? (laughs) You gotta be kidding me! So, Kimberly Strassel, our friend at the Wall Street Journal and one of the better reporters in the country, she has invented a new journalistic technique called asking someone what he thinks. This is—I know this is going to revolutionize journalism, not on the left but on the right—is revolution. She did an interview with Steve Bannon over the weekend. Excellent interview, by the way, and you can find it on the Wall Street Journal. She asked him, "Are you a white nationalist?" This is Bannon's reply. I'm an economic nationalist. I'm an America first guy. And I have admired nationalist movements throughout the world have said repeatedly, strong nations make great neighbors. I've also said repeatedly that the ethno-nationalist movement prominent in Europe will change over time. I've never been a supporter of ethno-nationalism. Mr. Bannon says the accusations miss that, quote, the black working and middle class and the Hispanic working and middle class, just like whites, have been severely hurt by the policies of global. Globalism, which is right. He adds that he urged candidate Trump. He adds that he urged candidate Trump to reach out in his campaigning. I was the one who said we are going to Flint, Michigan. We are going to black churches in Cleveland because the thrust of this movement is that we are going to bring capitalism to the inner cities. So this is the same thing with Jeff Sessions. Lawmakers, you know, (laughs) lawmakers and advocates expressed concern Friday that Sessions could sideline or undo the Obama administration's civil rights efforts, which have included investigations of police departments for unconstitutional practices. How's that working out for you? What, did like four cops get shot? A police officer was killed, was executed. He wasn't killed, he was executed. He stopped a guy for a traffic stop. And as he's giving the ticket, somebody drove up, and killed him. Not the guy he was giving the ticket to. Some other guy drove up and shot him in the head. He executed him. This was one uh, of, I think, four. There were th- at least three. Three third off- third officer was shot and wounded in Florida. Authorities said, and these all look like racial things. Who, who spread this stuff? Who spread this stuff? Who started this idea that the police are shooting black people. It came from this administration when his policies failed and he needed to distract you with something. We're going to keep talking about this, but you're going to have to uh, come over from Facebook. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you got to come over to the Daily Wire to hear the rest. If you subscribed for a lousy eight bucks a month, you could watch the whole thing. You could watch Ben Shapiro show too. So try that. Come on over. So they, they do this with Jeff Sessions, too, who uh, Trump has picked to be his AG. He's got to be confirmed. They, they said they have this new story. Reagan tried to appoint sessions to a district judgeship in 86. And Ted Kennedy and his friends did that thing that they did to Judge Bork, where they, you know, found these little comments that he made. He made some joke about the Ku Klux Klan. You know, they seemed like good guys, but then I found out that they supported dope, you know, and so this made him a racist. So he had to withdraw his name, you know, and now, and now they bring this up as if it were some kind of factual tell on him. First of all, that joke, by the way, I made that joke. There was a book a couple of years ago that said that uh, Hitler was gay, and I, I heard that, and I said, I knew there was something I didn't like about that guy, you know? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, like, you know, it's it's a joke. It means the guys are obviously evil. Like, who cares what else they're doing? The only, the only knock they've got on him is they've got a case where he prosecuted a guy for mail fraud who was trying to get black votes in by proxy. He was mailing proxy votes in. The FBI arrested him. He was the AG, I guess he prosecuted him, that case fell apart, and he said it fell apart. On the other hand, while he was the Alabama Attorney General, uh, I'm sorry, while he was a U.S. attorney in Alabama, he prosecuted a Ku Klux Klan leader for randomly picking out a black guy and killing him, made sure the guy got the death penalty. Then when he became the Attorney General of Alabama, he virtually herded, I mean, he almost killed this guy with his bare hands. He herds this guy into the death chamber, makes sure that the Sentences carried out. And then that caused a lawsuit, like a $7 million lawsuit against the Klan, which virtually gutted the Klan in Alabama. He was also fighting to desegregate schools. So it's all, I mean, the, the new rule, as Bill Maher would say, the rule should be if a guy isn't wearing a white sheet, you can't accuse him of racism. You cannot, people make all kinds of jokes. They make all kinds of offhand comments. That's not racism. It's not sexism. It's it's absurd to take a, a public Servant like Jeff Sessions and accuse him. Racism is a big charge, it's not a little charge. So, if these guys constantly have it up here, so who can blame? the cast of Hamilton. When this is what the the garbage when they're living in the bubble, they're getting the reports from the bubble. And by the way, the bubble the last line of that bubble joke was that it's like Brooklyn only in a bubble. And I've got I've got friends in Brooklyn and they say that's not funny because it's too too true, okay? So Mike Pence goes to watch the musical Hamilton and the audience boos him, which is disgusting. That is disgusting to start out. So a- after the show, the as Pence is trying to get the hell out of there, the cast comes out and they give him this lecture. Here it is. I hope you can hear it. It's a little hard because it's recorded from offstage. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: You know, we had a, a, a guest in the audience this evening. And Vice President-elect Pence, I see you're walking out, but I hope you will hear us just a few more moments. There's nothing to move here, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing to move here. We're all here sharing a story of love. We, we have a message for you, sir, and we hope that you will hear us out. And I encourage everybody to pull out your phones, and tweet, and post, because this message needs to be spread far and wide, okay? Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you, and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton and American Music, we really do. We, sir, we are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us. Our Our planet,
4: our children,
3: our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and to work on behalf of all of us. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. thank really you for sharing this show, this wonderful American story told by a diverse group of men, and women of different colors, creeds, and orientations. Yeah.
0: The pomposity is, amazing. I mean, first of all, he said, all of us, all of us, oh, won't you embrace all, of, you know, what is he, Trump is sitting in the audience going, oh boy, just wait, when I'm vice president, you won't have shows like this where black people are on stage. <laughs> you know, come on, you know, what? Do you think, you know, are they living in that era? What, what is going on? And by the way, if you are in show business, let me just tell you, if you are in show business, the chances that you're a damaged personality are about 100%. That's the reason you're singing and Dancing, trying to make strangers love you. Okay, and listen, that's great. It's a wonderful way to use your neurosis. I love to watch you sing and dance. I don't care what your opinions are, and neither does anybody else. That is, if that, if there's no other lesson of this election, it's that we don't care what you think, and we don't not supposed to care. You're just a guy who dances and sings, which is great. We love it, but you know this is ridiculous. So here's, so here's Pence's response, just to show where the class in this uh, conflict lies.
4: Well, first off, uh, my daughter and I and her and her uh, cousins really enjoyed the show. Hamilton is just an incredible production and uh, uh, incredibly talented people, and uh, it, it was a real joy to be there. And you know, when we arrived, we heard we heard a, a few boos and we heard some cheers. And I nudged my kids and reminded them that's what freedom sounds like. And uh, uh, but at the end, I you know I I, I did hear what was said uh, from the stage and. I can tell you, I, I wasn't offended by by what was said. I'll leave to others whether that was the appropriate venue to say it, but I, I do want to say that um, that uh, the the basic element, the the center of that message, is one that I I, I want to address, and that is I I know this is a very disappointing time for people that that did not see their candidate win in this national election. I know this is a very time for some people, and I just want to reassure people that what President-elect Donald Trump said. On election night, he absolutely meant from the bottom of his heart. He is preparing to be the president of all of the people of the United States of America. Uh, and to watch him, uh, bringing together people of, of diverse views, uh, bringing together people that differed with him strongly, seeing him talk to leaders around the world. I, I just want to, I just want to reassure every American, uh, that, that in, in the days ahead, I'm very confident, uh, that they're gonna see, they're gonna see President-elect Donald Trump. And be a president uh, for all of the people. And, and we embrace that principle and we're going to work hard to make that principle every day that we serve. <laughs>
0: so it's like <laughs> all the classes on this side. Pence uh, so far is like the best thing that Trump ever did. And the fact that he's put him in charge of the transition shows that Trump knows that he, he did the right thing and he's following up on it. But yeah, I mean, think about that. The guy walks in with his kids into a Broadway show and he's booed by the audience, and he turns to his kids and says, "That's what freedom sounds like, right?" Whereas what I would have turned to my kids is, "Let's go beat that crap out of those people. <laughs> that was rude, those rude people." Now Trump, of course, this is the class half of the ticket. Trump, of course, starts tweeting that the Hamilton has got to apologize. The people that Hamilton has got to apologize. Okay. Now, here's the New York Times on this, right? The New York Times, <laughs> a surprising, and also, by the way, this sets off people saying, "Boycott Hamilton." Which, by the way, that's what freedom sounds like, too. You know, I mean, you, you know, if you're going to go to a club... You know, I found I have found this at Broadway shows. I went to see a show called Avenue Q, which was a takeoff on the Muppets, a, an obscene takeoff on the Muppets. It was quite funny. And in the middle of it, they're singing a song. This is during the Bush presidency. And they're singing a song called It's Only for Now. And it says, oh, the Bush presidency is only for now, so we can we'll get over it. And I thought, you know... Why do I have to come here and be insulted? Why do I have to come and see a comedy that's just a basic comedy, and then I have to be insulted? So I think boycotting Hamilton is a great idea. I think if you don't like your guys being booed, if you don't like people being lectured as if somehow you're racist because you disagree with their politics, I mean, that is so offensive. It is so offensive to call people racist for this. So now— Trump hits back, and the Times says a surprising conf- confrontation erupted on Saturday between President-elect Donald J. Trump and the cast and creators of the Broadway hit Hamilton, setting off furious debate over American principles like free speech, respect, and the ability to challenge authority in the Trump era. Now, let's not forget this is coming off a president who set the IRS on his political enemies. Who right? And and by, which is not to say that he didn't spend a lot of his time attacking those people who watched. Fox News and talk radio, he was always making fun of them. I mean, you know, it's funny, watching Trump go after, he also went after Saturday Night Live, saying they were one-sided and their imitation of him wasn't funny and all this stuff. Half of me is thinking that's not what I want the president to do. The other half of me is thinking, why should these guys get away with this crap forever? You know, I mean, part of me is thinking like, go get him, Don. (laughs) Go take him out. And, And when it comes to this racism, I just want to remind you that the people who started this are all on the left. You know, when Trayvon Martin was killed and before any investigation, before we knew what had happened, the president of the United States came out and said, if I had a son, he would have looked like Trayvon. Let me tell you something. All these cops who are being killed and all these cops, no matter what color they are, they all look like my son. All these cops look like my son. I don't care whether they're black or Asian or white or whatever they are. And the fact that he can only see his son in a black man, that's the problem. The problem is on their side, not on ours. All right. And that's the real news, but now we're going to go to the fake news, because (laughs) this this is the big problem. The big problem is Facebook and Google and all these people are being urged to censor fake news, and one of those sites that has been designated a fake news site is The Daily Wire. We're so proud. We are so proud and happy to be a fake news site. So we sent... Our cultural correspondent, Michael Knowles, out into the field, and now we have choppered him back uh, by, I think, uh, car, maybe. We brought him back, and we're bringing him to you by satellite from the desk next to me. Michael, can we reach you? Can we come in? There he is! Hey. That's amazing. the technology just gets better and better every, Incredible. every week you're clear oh maybe that's my glasses yeah. <laughs> so, so what is this what is this fake news is this, a, is this is fake news a real thing
5: congratulations we are officially double plus on good <laughs> the daily wire is finally double plus on good <laughs>
0: we worked for it and we've earned that's it right. <laughs> that's right we've lied and lied and now we that's
5: right yeah. these, these guys are so angry and they are so out for blood yeah. this story has two great <laughs> sides to it because on the one hand, they're trying to blame anybody for this loss but themselves and on the other, they're going after and trying to obviously censor all of the news yes, sites that yes, we because,
0: have. because they know they've been exposed, that's why.
5: That, mean, that's right, yeah. that's right. So we, I, on this uh, fake news Google Doc that was floating around the internet, it was compiled by an assistant professor of communications <laughs> at some college somewhere <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah, and it's being reported. assistant
0: professor of communications is like being
5: unemployed, you know. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, this Google Doc is being reported breathlessly in every major news outlet. It's so much so that the New York Times today had a story, How Fake News Goes Viral, a case study. Ah, case study. This year, says the New York Times, a former newspaper, the adage that falsehood flies and truth comes limping after it doesn't begin to describe the problem. At least the truth uh, sometimes catches up. None of that will happen if he continues to let liars and con artists hijack his platform, referring to Mark Zuckerberg. None of the, uh, oh. none of the truth coming by. Uh, yes. the,
0: that's me, right? The liar That's you. That would they, be yeah. you. <laughs>
5: <Okay. laughs> I just want to make sure. Yeah. In this fake news document, Red State, The Blaze, and Breitbart News were all listed above The Onion. They were. <laughs> is that right? That's right. Because
0: the Onion actually is doing real news now and they make. <laughs> yeah,
5: that's right. There, you know, there, there are fake news stories going around right now. There are actually some fake news stories, but they might not be the ones that these guys uh, predict.
0: All right, let's hear some For fake instance, news.
5: For instance, here's stories. a fake news story. The Trump campaign is in disarray. Oh, yes, <laughs> Trump campaign is in disarray. Politico, Trump campaign in disarray. Boston Globe, Trump transition plunges into disarray. Huffington Post, Donald Trump's transition team or lack thereof is causing real panic.
0: I hope I hope Zuckerberg is listening to this. This is yeah. these, this, yeah, this is this, this, this is, is awful. for you, Mark. Yes,
5: this is terrible. CBS people. News, Trump transition stalled, scrambling <laughs> on pause. <laughs> now, now here's my favorite one. This is one. terrible is lies. <laughs> lies. Yes, go ahead. Here's my favorite. The New York Times. Firings and discord put Trump team in a state of disarray. <laughs> No, but then they realize that Trump team is, uh, it actually turns out, is ahead of schedule of every recent president, with the possible exception of George H.W. Bush, with one or two picks. So then, a few days later, New York Times has to say... Trump says transition's going smoothly, disputing disarray reports. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boy, the fake news is everywhere. That's it? right. So can we get the New York Times cut off the Facebook and the Google? Uh,
5: well, unfortunately, I, I think Mark Zuckerberg doesn't listen to your show, unfortunately. Oh, but come on. You know, you know, here's another fake news story. Steve Bannon is a raging anti-Semite. <laughs> Steve Bannon's an anti-Semite. NBC News, Trump campaign CEO Steve Bannon accused of anti-Semitic remarks by (laughs) ex-wife. That is a headline on NBC News. (laughs) Can you believe it? It's ex-wife. Washington Post, is Trump's new chief strategist a racist? Critics say so.
4: (laughs) You don't say. The critics say yeah, so.
5: Wow, yeah. <laughs> it goes on and on. And then the New York Times, again, that wonderful former newspaper, uh, in, in an article entitled, Alt-Right Exults in Donald Trump's Election with a Salute Heil Victory. Uh, in, that, in that article, they claim that Steve Bannon was chief executive of Breitbart, an online news organization that has fed the lie that Mr. Obama is a Kenyan-born Muslim. There is only one problem with that story. Yeah. Uh, Breitbart has never claimed that uh, Barack Obama is a Kenyan-born Muslim. They've explicitly rejected birtherism. The
0: fake news is everywhere. (laughs) You know, Bannon in this uh, Kim Strassel piece, he also said there's that quote that goes around saying, I'm a Leninist.
5: Oh, yes. That's a quote
0: from a news story by a guy he's never met, you
5: know? Well, uh, apparently, he may have met the guy at a party once, but the guy doesn't say which party or when. So it seems pretty credible to me in in light of all these other headlines.
0: All right. Well, this has been, I now see that this is a much, much worse problem than I thought. If we can, we're going to campaign to have CBS, The New York Times, and The Boston Globe taken (laughs) off the internet completely. Thank you, uh, cultural correspondent Michael Knowles. Excellent job. Excellent investigator. Of report from the field. Thank you very much. All right. Stuff I Like. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't believe it's. it's it, I know it's Thanksgiving and the Christmas time. So we're going to do a couple of uh, patriotic stuff I likes. First of all, we got to say John, the John Adams miniseries. Have, if yeah. you have never seen this is based on an excellent book, which you should read, uh, David McCullough's excellent uh, biography of John Adams. It's a terrific book, but they just did the miniseries perfectly. And I'm not sure – I'm sure you can get it on Netflix, Paul Giamatti and Laura Linney, who I'm crazy about. And it just shows – it just shows, you know, this flawed, fascinating man, you know, building a nation, helping to build a nation. And it's just – will really – it will really touch you down to your toes. Here is my favorite scene. At the end of his life, it shows Adams – he must be 90, and he's out walking with his son – and he explains what he's le- and he what he has learned over all these years, and his son obviously can't understand what he's talking about because the son is too young. You know, he's a young man. This this scene moved me really deeply. So take a listen. I am seeing a queen of France with eighteen million levers of diamonds on her
3: person, but I declare that all the charms of her face and figure added to all the glitter of her jewels did not impress me as much as that little shrub. Right there. My mother always said that I never delighted enough in the mundane. But now I find if I look at even the smallest thing, My imagination begins to roam the Milky Way. Rejoice, evermore. What's that, Father? Rejoice, evermore. Well, it's a phrase from St. Paul, you fool. Rejoice, evermore. Rejoice,
0: evermore! (laughs) I wish that had always been in my heart and on my tongue. (laughs) He's finally figured it out that like all this time that he was worried and struggling and mixed up in politics, he wishes now that rejoice evermore had been in his heart and in his tongue. Don't let this happen to you, okay? (laughs) No matter what the New York Times is saying, no matter what the political situation is, rejoice evermore. Evermore. It's excellent advice. You will hear it more tomorrow on the Andrew Claven show. I'm Andrew Clavin. Be there.